You're certain he's all right? asked my cousin Oliver, shifting closer in an anxious effort to better view the man seated before us. He looks like a dead fish. Which was a perfectly accurate observation, however. I had no need to be reminded about the outward result of my special influence imposed upon another person. I had no need for Oliver's interruption either, but he'd asked to watch, and at the same time there seemed no reason to deny his request. Now I was having second thoughts. Please, I said in a rather tight voice, I must concentrate. Oh, his hushed tone contrite. He instantly subsided, enabling me to put forth my full attention on the silent third member of our party. Focusing my gaze hard upon the fellow's slack face, I softly spoke into his all-too-vulnerable mind. You must listen carefully to what I say. The words I whispered resonated within my own skull with no small force. Their effect on this man would be profound and could be deadly. In this moment I felt myself truly balanced on the edge of a knife. With Oliver along to witness, I was steadier than if I'd been alone, and yet I was aware of the lamentable consequences should I make a mistake. A single, ill-considered word on my part, or a brief surge of uncontrolled rage let loose, and the man before me would likely be plunged into a madness from which he might never recover. I'd done that once before, unintentionally, and would be a liar not to admit this present circumstance offered a great temptation to repeat the action. God knows, I'd more than sufficient cause to justify such a malfeasance. His name was Thomas Ridley, and last night he and his cousin Arthur Tyne had done their damnedest to try to murder me. For this and other near-lethal crimes they'd committed or participated in, I was informed it would be too much to expect a just retribution by means of the law. Therefore, I had taken upon myself the responsibility to guarantee that they would commit no further mischiefs. Arthur had already been dealt with and would soon be sent away home when he was fit enough to travel. I'd taken quite a lot of blood from him last night, purely for the purpose of survival, not revenge, and he'd been but half awake and easy to influence. Thomas Ridley was another matter entirely. Because he was large, strong, and possessed of a most unpleasant character, we'd confined him for the day in one of the more remote storage rooms in a cellar far beneath Fontaine House well away from any ears, with no business hearing his bellowed curses. He couldn't stay there forever, more's the pity, and would have to be quickly dealt with before he was missed by his friends. Toadies, I should say, for he was a bully and a mohawk, and that sort never have real friends, only sycophants. Almost as soon as I'd awakened for the evening, I had to get on with things. My first sight after sunset released me from the day's sleep was Oliver hovering over me, his long face showing no small measure of impatience. Though he was familiar with my peculiar, preternatural condition and the limits it imposed my waking life, he chided me 
for a sluggard and urged me to hurry. Knowing what was needed, for I had left strict instructions concerning the management of our captives, I gave no argument and made no delay, following him up to Arthur Tyne's room to deliver a dose of influence and instruction. Oliver had to wait outside while I worked, keeping away the curious. It would not do for the servants to gossip too much about recent events. They already had enough to discuss. Some talk was inevitable, but they did not need to get wind of my special abilities. Life was naughty enough lately.